Welcome to South Carolina Launch's CEO podcast, where we hear from CEOs on their entrepreneur experience. Welcome to another episode of the SC Launch CEO podcast. I'm Lee McElwinnon, and I'm an investment manager with SCRA. Our guest today is Gore Bolton, CEO and founder of Land Intelligence. Welcome, Gore, and thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us. Um, why don't we start uh, kind of our questions around your journey? Just walk us through how how you got this uh, this this company started, what uh, what your ideas were, mission, and vision. Sure. So first of all, thanks for having me, and uh, as always, thanks for the overall support from SCRA and the community at large. Um, yeah, I, I, the background story is really kind of the pain and frustration. Uh, it, it really came out of what was my pain and what was my company's pain and how many other people have the same pain, right? right. Um, engineers are great at inventing things that nobody needs. <laughs> so, so obviously we didn't want to do that. Uh, but I've been in the land development, capital and technology business for the majority of my career. And what I saw was a professional services industry that really was ripe for disruption from the standpoint of automation and speed. Uh, and anytime we can, uh, we can do that, we wanna be able to do that. So Land Intelligence was born after I got a couple process patents uh, for being able to do the predictive value for property uh, into the future. And so once we realized we had some unique IP, uh, we wanted to wrap the business model around that. And so now we've created a software as a service platform called LandSuite, and that is a platform for every property in the country, uh, all, all 50 states. Uh, we have about 99% parcel coverage, and you can basically research, finance, and trade across all of those properties in the country, and any of our users can do it. So um, we've kind of transformed the, 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 the local running around town uh, to basically being an online experience. Well, it sounds pretty cool, the way that almost taking what you delivered in services and really being able to put that online. Yeah, I mean, the the, the nice thing, the benefit of being a, an engineer with a background in computer science is you know you need flowcharts for business processes, right? right. And, and uh, like them or not, uh, processes are experienced uh, whether you like them or not. And so what we wanted to be able to do was take a lot of the steps that people have to touch. And our initial effort was basically just the good old, how do we do it better, faster, reduce cost, eliminate waste, reduce risk, just the good old fashioned, I call it process improvement, right? Everything from ISO to lean manufacturing, you know, all of those different types of thought uh, processes um, and then, okay, now how can we create software around that? And the, the biggest impediment uh, prior to the last decade was uh, computational cost. So our, the, the biggest reason this took so long to develop was, uh, quite honestly, the cloud wasn't invented yet when we first started working on it. Yeah, it sounds like you, so you've been able to leverage the, the current tools, the automation tools, and build a software platform that really allows others to do what you were having to do yourself. Um, for your clients. Yeah, and at great expense, right? So, so what would happen yeah. is people would have extreme expenses that they would incur uh, in order to do preliminary research. So right. what would happen is it would stop a lot of people from getting anything done or what I like to say is accelerate the good and uh, ignore the bad, right? So how do you, 
but we're in the land acquisition business at the end of the day. So if right. somebody's looking at 40 or 50 different projects, you know, how do they compare those quickly? How do they get rid of the ones that are going to be problematic? How do they accelerate the ones that are actually going to be successful? And so those are, those are basically the, the finite elements that we kept seeing users and, and developers and consultants and people, people in the, in the space, they never really knew whether they had a project. And I'd say that's, um, that's one of the biggest challenges also is that we're going from a, a project by project business and turning that into a software platform. Um, and the analogy that I've, that I've kind of pushed back on the industry about that is, is, uh, you know, if we said that to Uber, we wouldn't have an Uber, right? If we said that right. to, to Airbnb, we would, you wouldn't yeah. stay at an Airbnb. Um, if you said that to Netflix, you wouldn't have a Netflix account. So it really is the path of digital disruption in what is currently a service base, right? And so if you, right. if you use those, if you use those examples, you know, Airbnb took the, the CapEx out of building a hotel and hiring staff. Mm -hmm. Airbnb took the capital cost of building a taxi, uh, you know, of, of um, I'm sorry, Uber, of, of yeah. building a taxi fleet and, and manning a bunch of people. Um, and, and so when you can when you can distribute that technology to the to the front lines, um, it, you know, you're able to scale much faster. And so that that's what we really are on the journey to do. OK, so along, along those lines, can you give us um, some examples of who clients might be, typical clients that you've had and those that you're sort of on your target? Sure. So uh, in every real estate transaction, there's the buyer and the seller. And so we look at it from that lens. Uh, and then within that, uh, people, sometimes there's a broker involved, sometimes there's not a broker involved. So that's kind of our, that's kind of our rubric of they either, either there's a broker involved or there's not. Uh, and of course, they can be on the buy or sell side. And then you have a buyer and a seller. Um, the interesting part is in the commercial real estate raw land transaction, uh, every year in the United States, about a million acres of property is converted into something new, uh, whether it's a shopping center, uh, a housing subdivision, uh, apartment complex, a million acres. Uh, so there's, there's uh, literally tens of thousands of projects across the country every year that get started. Of course, they don't all get built in the same year because there's, a, there's right. a construction and a lease up and, a, and there's, a, there's a time period over all this. Um, and, and, so, and so really what we have to do is be able to serve up data that, that provides both the buyer and seller information to be able to make a transaction work, but then also service uh, the brokers and the, and the, and the non-broker community relevant to their preliminary research. Um, and so uh, on, the, on the buyer side, on the acquisition side, we're doing uh, quick feasibilities for small to medium-sized teams. So a developer that's going to buy, you know, typically north of, you know, five, 10 acres, they're going to put something new on it or whatever that might be, uh, whether, whatever, whatever the end use is uh, that they're going to, eventually there's going to be a door and a key, right? And so somebody's right. going to have a door and a key to something. Um, and they're able to research that. They're able to get preliminary due diligence done. Um, you know, looking for things like water, sewer, zoning, we're, we're, we're aggregating data from, uh, on average, 100 to 150 websites in each county in the country. So, in, so instead of somebody having to have, you know, 
50 tabs open in their website, we're able to condense all that information down into one platform. And so there's a value add there. And of course, it's mobile. And, uh, and of course, you don't have to worry about it. It's, 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 um, it's, it's recent because we're doing that automatically every day. And then, and then really kind of on the other side is how do you collaborate and manage your team? Uh, you know, you need to order services from local service providers, uh, land surveyors, engineers, uh, geotechnical engineers. Um, you, you need to order reports. You've got to get title reports. You've got to get a referral to a local land use attorney. Uh, all of those types of things people need to be able to solve as they go through that project. And they need to invite different stakeholders uh, to the property. And, and, that, and that's really then where the magic starts is now when somebody is working through that acquisition process, they now have the ability to share due diligence process and uh, updates to all their stakeholders. So that's really on the buy side. Um, on, on the sell side, what's kind of interesting is we will have either sellers or sellers agents contact us to make sure that we're helping the seller understand what they have before they try and sell the property. So it's, uh, it's a way for them uh, to be able to make sure that they're not leaving any stone unturned uh, before they offer something for sale so that they're an educated seller. Um, and, and that can be everything from market demand and use uh, to you know, what's possible, how long it takes to get permits, uh, what are the major trends in the market, what's the political climate, you know, are they, is this a jurisdiction that is about to invoke a moratorium or just came out of one, you know, do they have 10 years worth of projects on the books already? And so one more project, what, you know, how is that going to absorb to be able to pay back your capital, uh, your capital expenditures? Um, so, so, you know, is it a fast market or a slow market, those types of things. And so really on, on both sides of the fence, buyer and seller, um, you know, being able to be on the same page by, by leveraging information to us removes friction from uh, both the negotiation as well as the procurement process for everybody. Okay. With that, kind of with the product that you have, looking at um, over the last couple of years where with COVID and the impact that's had on commercial real estate as well as residential real estate, where do you see the market today and how does that impact land intelligence uh, kind of today as well as the future? Well, so, so anytime you have a black swan event, you have an opportunity. And that's, I think, I think, right. I think that's the way we took it uh, when COVID first hit. Uh, we were lucky because we were, we had just closed the financing round and we were able to have the team really work on deep product development during the worst of it. Um, and it was stuff that we already knew in the roadmap were, were core building blocks that were going to be need to be there long term. And, and the advantage that we were able to take was we were able to actually go through um, a black swan uh, planning event. And it wasn't for our engineers and for everybody else on the team. It wasn't a, uh, a maybe. It was a, everybody understood this was going on now. So what I've actually seen in the last year, year and a half since we did that was that when we talk about black swan events, everybody on the team understands it now. Whereas some of the younger members that maybe didn't go through a September 11th or maybe didn't go through, you know, the housing crash uh, of, uh, of 08, you know, they, they didn't quite understand what a major uh, turbulent economic or, or market force change was. And so they actually got to experience that 
Um, and so, you know, experience obviously, you know, builds more of that DNA in. Mm -hmm. So what we actually saw was uh, people actually wanted to consume more online demand of information remotely because they couldn't travel. Well, then they realized that they don't have to travel <laughs> and that and that they can save on a lot of that time and energy. Um, and, and also they could share information on projects without physical files. Uh, and they could they could do deals now over Zoom and Teams and you know video conferencing, and they you know basically figured out how to market, you know, sell and transact uh, online. So I think that was the biggest thing that benefited us is it really accelerated people to go, hey, where's the online tools for this? Because I can't stop by so and so's office, um, and that was and and that was really kind of actually a benefit. And then I'd say, you know, that secondarily, um, what it's done is it's really had us take a hard look at how we acquire data from the crowd, right? So part of our model is crowdsourcing data. So being able to leverage other digital disruption and, and, and crowdsourcing data, you know, they, it impacted us too, right? Like our, our staff couldn't show up at a permit counter. Right. We couldn't show up at a planning office or at a, at a board of zoning meeting or something like that. So we had to look for other ways to consume that information um, when physically it just wasn't available. So so that actually provided a lot of insights into, OK, this actually helps accelerate things towards the cloud and, and, and towards our business model. So looking at so what you just described as being able to really understand, you know, how to how to impact how COVID impacted your business and how you're able to be resilient. What what other challenges did, as a CEO and founder of a company have you faced? And then how have you have you really been able to face those and overcome them? Sure. So I mean I think the I think the biggest thing that every founder faces is build versus sell, right? So so first of all, there's there's how do you how do you manage? I call it both tracks on the train, right? right. I'll pull up, pull out my engineer background. So yeah, you know, on the one side you've got your operational capacity and performance, and on the other side you've got your sales and marketing. And so either one of them, if either one of them are out of sync, the track doesn't you know the the, the train doesn't roll down the tracks. And so I, you got to spend enough time building enough things that you can sell. And then you got to spend enough time selling. And then when you get the feedback from the customers that say, hey, you know, I appreciate what you're trying to sell me, but it's either falling short here or it's not met my expectations here, yeah. is getting in that rhythm of what I call the cross ties, right? You know, everybody thinks the rails are the most important thing on the track. And what I challenge my team is it's the cross ties that actually make it all work um, because the cross ties keep them the right distance apart and keep them, you know, keep them to close to the ground and actually support the weight of all the rails. And, and so what I focus on with our team is making sure that um, we don't go too far apart before there's a cross tie to make sure we're all still moving down the same track. And I, and I think that I think that COVID really reinforced that with the team was that, you know, yes, you can have, you know, product services, you can also have sales and marketing, uh, but at the end of the day, if we're not in sync left and right, then the customers are going to get stuck on a train that's not moving fast enough. Um, and, and, and that's really, I would say, the biggest thing. The, the other thing is we found out where our limitations were that we had to work through relevant to just ingesting a tremendous amount of change management. Um, mm -hmm. So when you have something like that that happens, 
you have a tr you have a you basically have a, a, a you could almost call it just a traumatic event that then everybody has kind of a, a certain type of response to psychologically. So then you've yeah. got to manage everybody's expectations around that and how that's impacting them, how it's impacting their family. So it was kind of all of that on steroids. I know, I know. it's just a, it's an incredible when you think about your journey and where you what you've been able to overcome. I know personally and professionally within your company, it's remarkable. Um, certainly be credited. Well, I appreciate appreciate that. It takes takes a village, takes a group. I mean, it's not it's not you know. We I just have to create the possibility, right? And then and then uh, and then and then make sure we execute. Well, I mean, that's a that's actually a great great segue into a question that um, where you were before before you came to South Carolina, you were heavily involved in the community, and to what you just said, it really does take a village. What is your view of the importance of the startup community and the value add that it can have or has had to you and what you're doing within the Midlands community today? Yeah, so I mean, community is everything. If you, if you, don't, if you don't have, uh, you know, it, it shows so many things that people look for. Um, you know, are you of service to others? Are you really, are you really vested? Uh, do, you really, do you really care about where you live? Uh, do you want to see people prosper? I mean, community community really kind of brings all that out. Uh, yeah. I have a, a really kind of a lifetime of a lot of community service, um, whether it's, uh, you know, nonprofit boards or activity, uh, chambers of commerce uh, type background, uh, economic development, you know, all of those types of activities have always been really important to me. Um, because if you really, if, if you really care about something, it shows up in those activities. And, and I think, um, I think it's one of those things where it's also, you know, the, the get, you know, there's the give, but kind of the get is I, I just, I get amazed at all the really cool things I learn about. So I think, you know, I'm curious by nature. Uh, so being in community type organizations, uh, whether it's CEO groups or chamber of commerce groups or nonprofits, uh, those types of things really they kind of tell you the, the the heartbeat and the DNA of a of a uh, of a community. But more importantly, as a as a CEO growing a business, if culture is the most important thing you have to build, the community is going to tell you about the culture that you're going to bring into your company when you hire. And so, yeah. in in order to really kind of understand the right kind of people to get into your company in a community you've got to understand the community and you've got to understand where to go for that. And you've got to have resources in that to get the right mindset and all of that. So, so I think it gives access to how to build a culture when you're, yeah. when you're correctly activated in a community. Well, first, I mean, what your role in the community has been, has been incredibly impactful to, to what, not only what you're doing with the, at the incubator and the digital lab that you're providing for certainly some of our member companies for SCRA, but as well as the, the local community and your, your engagement with GroCo. So it's, uh, so I wish we had more folks that were, that could be as involved as, as certainly you've been. So you can certainly be, uh, to be credited. What? Well, I appreciate that. And those are, you know, it, it's one of those things where we have a, we have a prime opportunity in my mind in, um, in, uh, in South Carolina, the Midlands specifically, you know, when I did my market study of how we were going to open, what we were going to do, um, you know, like most CEOs, lots of options, right? Right. And so I was very fortunate because uh, having, having done a fair amount of work around the country, 
I was able to kind of glean a bunch of information and, and do kind of my own location analysis, um, which is kind of good considering the business we're in. Yeah. Um, and, and so it took my own medicine. Uh, and, um, you know, I compare the kind of the triangle of South Carolina, and I know it's a little bit different, but my pure belief of uh, where, where South Carolina is specifically in, in a market cycle um, is very similar to what I call the magic triangle of, da- of uh, Texas, right? You got Dallas, Austin, um, San Antonio, and over mm-hmm. to Houston. Mm-hmm. And, and when, you, when you toss the mirror image on a map of that and come across I-20, you end up with you know, Charlotte, Atlanta, Columbia, and Charleston. And, um, you know, while we have a little bit different socio-political climate, because we have three states that encompass that triangle here on the East Coast, it actually is very, very similar from a trajectory standpoint. And, um, and so I think that's one of the most interesting things about this place. And in talking to other startup founders uh, here in Columbia, that's actually, a, when I've shared that with other startup founders, it's resonated with them that that's what they see too. And uh, so it's, uh, so I'm not, either I'm crazy or at least I'm not the only crazy one. Uh, and so uh, at least I got some other people thinking the same way. So that's good. Well, it's encouraging because we, uh, I mean, it is a community. I mean, we're, we're here to be able to serve um, all of us, including uh, you as a founder and CEO of a growing company. Um, as well as a CRA and, and certainly SC Launch. When, Gore, just as a follow-on to that, when you think about South Carolina Research Authority and, and our, affiliate, our investment affiliate, SC Launch Inc., we've invested in your company twice. What, what comes to mind when you think about the impact and the value that we bring in, in our relationship to you and trying to grow your company? Yeah, so, uh, so, so the word that I think of when I think of SCRA is resources. Right. So resources, I I think a lot of founders and a a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in their earliest ventures or maybe their first venture, they think they equate resources with money. And Mm -hmm. and I think that I think um, as as most of us who are serial entrepreneurs learn, resources are everything but money. Um, And so the money is nice. Right. But when I think of the resources that SCRA has been able to provide to us, that actually gets even more attractive, um, whether it's the mentoring uh, that we get on a regular basis, the assistance and introductions to other people to be able to get pilots up and running, whether it's to do customer discovery, um, whether it's uh, quite honestly, uh, just being able to, to do capital planning and get, and get feedback, you know, the discipline yeah. of the quarterly reports. That's what, as I tell everybody, right? Get that discipline honed in early, uh, doesn't matter that the numbers are small, get the discipline of getting the work done. Um, and that'll, that'll build a rhythm. Um, and also, I mean, in our specific journey, uh, you know, had we not done our closing the way that we did in our first round of financing uh, right. before COVID, uh, I, I'm not sure we'd still be here uh, because of that event. But we did it the way we did it, and everybody was yep. okay with it. And we were able to do a rolling close, and SC Launch was able to participate. And that worked, you know, fast forward to our latest round, round of financing. And, um, you know, had we not uh, been in the middle of that and you all hadn't had the resources for uh, the databases that you did and the, and the pricing and the research and the tools for us to go through that process together, um, mm-hmm. it was very collaborative. Uh, obviously, uh, your, 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 uh, 
you're you have to manage the relationship between you know the company and SC Launch. But what we were able to do was bridge our mutual interests and be able to talk about you know how we advance the ball. And I think I think that was extremely helpful. And then as a as an entrepreneur raising capital across the country. It's incredibly important back to the community conversation is the first thing every angel or venture capitalist would ask me when I was on a Zoom call across the country was, are the locals supporting you? And so if I didn't have a good answer for that or I wasn't in the SCRA and the SC launch portfolio, that would have been that would have been a real challenge from the standpoint of being able to scale the business. Uh, you've got a great point, and thank you for the uh, for the comments. That I mean, part of what what you've been able to accomplish in in building, I say, a company in uh, in downtown Columbia has been that you're you're attracting not only talent but people that are watching you as you grow your company. Um, I guess it, it's kind of parting. The last question I would have: that What would you like to be able to say to founders, where you've you've been there, done this with other companies uh, before you came to South Carolina? You're doing it now. Any other part, kind of parting words before we wrap up? Well, it's it's the old adage of uh, if you wait to do it, it'll never happen. <laughs> so so <laughs> it's, uh, you know, what's what's holding you up? Right. What What's holding you up uh, when you're when your commitment uh, is larger than your fear? Motion will start. And so if, if you are if you're thinking about doing something or you want to do something, uh, just do it. Uh, like literally just take action and get into action and community. And you'd be amazed how through working with other entrepreneurs, other startup organizations in the community, um, you know, whether it's the other startup organizations or meetups or things like that, there's so much, I think, that is now being uh, kind of reinvigorated from the online presence to now the back in front of each other presence yeah. Um, and, and it's a lot of fun that the interaction and creativity that I'm seeing back in the face-to-face -face meetings uh, yeah. has just been tremendous. So I think we I think we all learned how to manage being hybrid and remote and see and the benefits of it. But I think it also gave us huge access to the actual benefits of being live uh, when it's the most important. So I think, you know, my personal opinion is, you know, hybrid's here to stay. But what I would tell other co-founders is, you know, get out there and you're the only, it's the old adage, you're, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So mm -hmm. if you want to be a great entrepreneur, hang out with other great entrepreneurs. Well, the wise words, and and certainly with your help, we're we're building the community in the Midlands and, and in the state. And Gore, I can't thank you enough for being our guest today. It was great hearing about the land intelligence story and and what you're building. And look forward to uh, to your success in the future. Yeah, and as always, thank you to you all and you specifically as our as our mentor and chief yeah, chief yeah. wrangler. <laughs> thank <laughs> you all for your support. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks again, Gore.